I'm just excited what God's doing. Um, we, were, we started in chapter 1 last week, and we just did verses 1 through 4. And I felt strongly as I was studying the next verses that God said, no, 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 I want you to stay right here. I want to I communicate this correct because I'm not re-preaching the same sermon. We're going, to do, we're going into a different level tonight of the same verses 1 through 4 of Song of Songs chapter 1. I felt like God said, don't lead this until we get it. This whole series, a new song, is about singing a new song in our heart, longing for intimacy with the Father. We must get beyond what people think this book is about. Many people read the Song of Songs and think it's just a sexual book, um, an erotic book. It's so much more than that. It is a call to intimacy as the bride of Christ, the church, to the bridegroom, the, the Jesus, God, the Father, all in one. So as I was preparing for the message, and honestly, this might be a shorter one than usual. I know I say that a lot, and people laugh at me apparently, but I really feel, someone's clapping. I really, I really feel like we need to kind of hone in on this. So if you're taking notes tonight, the title of tonight's message is, is this, The Desire of Lovers. The Desire of Lovers. I love a song that we sing in this house. I want to be a laid down lover for God. Y'all know that song? A laid down lover. I such a, that's what I want to be. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in and through this house. We don't want to hear my words tonight, my thoughts, or my opinions. We just want to hear what you have to say. I'm yours, God. Speak through me. Say what you want to say. Communicate what you want to communicate. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you, Floyd. The Desire of Lovers, the Song of Songs, the greatest song of all songs. Man, we got a good, good crowd tonight. I love that y'all came tonight. The greatest song of all songs depicting the marriage relationship. I believe that the move that God wants to do in and through this house is significant, and it all hinges on intimacy. Unfortunately, intimacy has become one of the biggest struggles in the church because when it comes down to it, intimacy, meaning closeness or familiarity, when you get close, and you get familiar, you see the person, and you see all that's good, and you see all that's wrong. And I think sometimes when we are talking about intimacy with God, I think sometimes our subconscious is we actually fear that God seeing all the parts of us, even though he already sees it. And I want you to know that no matter where you're at in your walk with God, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're dealing with, God has the same desire for you as he would have if you were perfect, and it's closeness. God is telling everyone here tonight, I want to know you more, whether you realize it or not. Intimacy, closeness, familiarity between the bride and the groom. Remember, King Solomon, when he asked God for one thing, God gave him so much. He was bringing sacrifices before God, and as he brought these sacrifices, God said, what, what you want? Whatever you ask for, you can have it. And Solomon didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for a new car. He didn't ask for his bank account to fill up. He just said, give me the wisdom to lead your people. And because of that, not only did he get 
wisdom to write the Song of Songs and most of Proverbs, as most of you may or may not realize. But on top of that, he was given resources. He was given everything he needed to accomplish his purpose as a great king. Remember, Solomon is King David's son, where King David, because of his life, he was given the plans to build the temple, the tabernacle, but Solomon actually got to carry that out. It's an incredible book that Solomon was able to, to, to write on behalf of what God was showing him in all this wisdom. And as we read last week, God is writing to a very specific audience. And I believe this audience that God instructed Solomon to write to are passionate lovers of the Almighty. We're called to be passionate for him, in love with him, wanting more and more and more of him. Hear me tonight that none of us are where we, are, where we need to be. And I'm not even talking about your, your sin life or your perfect life. I'm talking about the predestined purpose that God placed in you before you even came into this earth. He had an idea of what he wanted to accomplish in you and through you. And he says the way you do it is not to get your life perfect, it's to fall in love with me. And when you start to fall in love and start to pursue him, all the stuff that religion tries to get right, it gets in line because a life without sin is not about getting it right. It's an expression of whose eyes your gaze is upon. There's a distinguishing mark of lovers of God. Tonight, we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says this. It's talking about the, the difference between the, the lovers of God and those who don't. And it says, people will be lovers of themselves. Y'all know anyone that loves themselves too much? Mm-hmm. Just shout their name right now. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone said Kyle. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In an age of access, people are rejecting God more and more. And there's been a complete moral collapse taking place Almost like the times in Judges. We have gotten to this place specifically in America, and it is worldwide, but we can speak to this country, that people don't know who they are. They're getting lost in their identity. And today, if you speak to someone's moral or morale, if it's something they don't agree with, it's almost like a hate crime. We're getting to a place where people are losing themselves. I was talking to someone last night about something going on in Effingham County, uh, the, the schools there, and I was blown away. And what I, what I found out was that there are students who are identifying as cats, and they're asking the, 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 the staff to put litter boxes in the bathroom. It's a real thing. And we're saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, but this stuff was prophesied that this confusion would happen. It's a real thing beginning, and the horrible thing is their parents are going to bat for them. The problem with the church is we point at it instead of understanding it's an identity issue. So instead of pointing at it and, and, and judging them, let us give them a reason to come out of it. 
Let us show them a reason that is better than whatever they're getting lost in, and that reason is how good our God is. We're in a period where people are, are losing themselves. Judges 17.6 says that every, in that time in Judges that everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes because of one problem. There was no king in Israel. And what happens is, is when there is no submission or no desire for a king in your life, you start to do whatever you want. And that's not just for the lost, that's for the people of God. When we don't have the, this desire for kingship, you, you realize that in America, people celebrate um, individuality way too much? Well, I'm an individual. I do what I want. But the desire for a king is not to do what you want. The desire for a king is to say, I want to find myself in your decrees, in your assignments, in your commands. I don't want to figure out what I want to do. Lord, show me. Lord, what would you have me do? Not what I want to do. Because if someone is, is desiring God, they're desiring a king to rule over them. The, the, the greatest thing in your life is to, is to be ruled by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yet for some reason in America, we don't want that rulership anymore. The answer to this dilemma is simply this. We've got to become lovers of God again. Not just people who love God but lovers of God. There's a very distinguishing characteristic because in 2 Timothy, it says, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And in verse 5, it says this, lovers of pleasure have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And this is the, this is the, 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 the decree, have nothing to do with such people. People who have a form of godliness but deny his power. Unfortunately, that's one of the biggest separations in the, the, the theological ideas of the church. I don't know about you, but I worship a king who is limitless and wants to do whatever through a people who will just say yes. There are those who love only pleasure and have a form of godliness, but no power. But then there are those who are lovers of God and if you start to become a lover of God, the thing that will distinguish you is a distinct mark of his power in your life. So when you start to become a lover of God, obsessed with God, wanting God, they'll start to say, how do you have that self-control in that area that other men don't? How do you have that ability to separate yourself like no one else can? How, how is it that that cancer disappeared? How is it that you have the ability to walk such a straight and narrow path? And it's simply this, I fell in love with one who's better. You see, the, 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 the beauty of becoming a lover of God is that something is manifested in you that is beyond you. To a point where you say, where I am weak, he is strong. That strength is a mark of power that you are able to do things that no one else can. Who doesn't love God? 2 Peter 1-4 through says this. Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Watch this. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Listen, able to share 
his divine nature, and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Lovers get to share in a nature that is divine. Becoming a lover of God, you have access to become someone that has the very nature of the Almighty. And notice it does not say the term those who love God. It's those who are lovers of God. You can love something, but not be a lover with it. You take the example of a husband and wife. You got a man and a woman. The woman can say to her sister, I love you. But there's a distinction in how she becomes a lover with her man. Okay? There's love, then there's lovers. There is an action taking place of one thing that is not shared with anyone else, a level of intimacy. It is a distinguishing level of intimacy reserved for two people, a bride and a groom. Lovers are so desiring familiarity with God that they repent or turn away from any other pleasure. And they'll suffer through the denying of those pleasures in the pursuit of the kiss of the bridegroom. Let me say that again. Lovers are so desiring familiarity with God. Let me say this. Lovers, people who want to engage in intimacy with God, turn away from any other pleasure, and even though you might suffer by saying no, you will deny that pleasure and accept the suffering because you no longer want the pleasure from that thing. You're seeking the kiss of the Almighty. Is this okay? And when we become active lovers of God, he says, because you have invited the kiss, I will accomplish great things through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it only happens through lovers, not just those who love. You see, lovers have a passion for God. And we think passion just means a great want. But passion actually means something a little different. The word passion is actually defined as this, the ability to endure or suffer. You know why marriages end? You lose your ability to endure something that you don't want to be tied to. You want to know why we walk out of step with God? You want to know why we break the marriage covenant with the Almighty? is because for some reason we lose sight of the ability to endure without for the promise of something better. I'm not sure. Okay. The passion, let's talk about a movie we, we might have all seen or heard of. The passion of the Christ. What was his passion? I will endure this suffering on the cross for a greater promise and greater measure. Passionate lovers of God say, we may have to give up this thing or these wants or these desires and we will suffer through it. Can we be honest about that? There are things that God says to give up that it is suffering to say, I, don't, I can't have it. He says, 
Where is your passion? Are you in love with me where you want my kiss more than that pleasure? And I know it's a tough message, but it's the message the church needs to embrace again, a familiarity and closeness with God that all we want is more of him and nothing else. It's not get right because you're a horrible person. It's get lost in the fact that you are spotless. And the only way that you can see how good you are is to see how good he is. It's the only way. And a lot of times we try to feel good about ourselves by getting the passions and getting the, getting the desires, getting the wants. And God says, no, 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 no. Are you willing to endure for a better kiss? 1 Corinthians 7, 9, I'm going to bring something different to this. It says, if they cannot control themselves, usually the scripture is talking about burning with lustful desires for the bedroom. It says, if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with what? So think about what passion is. Leave that up there. Passion is suffering. So let's get real about the verse. They say, I know you're suffering by not going to the bedroom. Y'all can, let's get loose a little bit. It's all right. I know it's hard not to. And the key to dealing with the, the call to not is get married. It is better to enter into the bedroom of intimacy with the Almighty than to burn through life suffering without. What happens in church is we preach don't, 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 and we burn with passion because we want it because in the midst of don't, we haven't been given the key. Enter into marriage. I know. <laughs> and it's happening to the generations coming up as all they've heard is don't do that. It's bad. You shouldn't want it. No, 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 no. And, they, and we have not simply told them, hey, just get lost in a marriage. Become a lover with God. Walk into the intimacy that he is inviting you into. And the key to that is when you enter into that intimacy, when you enter into that relationship, you will no longer burn with passion because the kiss of the Almighty is better than any suffering. That is the most freeing thing that I've never heard anyone else preach. I started reading that and I was like, oh my gosh. There, this is so much more than what we've been taught. You see, those who manage sin don't become lovers because they start to deny power. They're denying a power that can transform you and transform your environment because all they've been taught is sin management instead of marriage. If we think about it, I've been talking about it the past couple of weeks. I'm getting excited about this. In Genesis, we were never supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good or evil, right? We weren't supposed to know good. We weren't supposed to know evil. We were just supposed to know him. If we would spend more time with our children teaching them to just get lost in him, we wouldn't have to worry about pointing out what was evil. Because we're teaching them to get married. 
at what Song of Solomon says in verse 4. Remember, I did verse 1 through 4 last week. We're going to do, we're going to do it again today, tonight. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. The Hebrew word for bedroom or chambers actually means this, a chamber within a chamber. What other place did we see a chamber within a chamber? The Holy of Holies. The most holy place. He says, come with me. I'm giving you access to the most intimate, close, familiar place with God. And a movement will be hinged on people getting familiar in the chambers. A movement that will transform this area is hinged on, are you going to walk into the most holy place or are you going to stay outside in the court? Because what happens outside the court, if you know anything about the, the tabernacle and the temple, is that people would go and they would wash their hands and they would talk about their sins and they would praise God. And that's pretty much the church. Wash your hands. Confess your sins. Praise God. And God says, that's all good, but Come. Deeper, come with me. Come into a place where you are not, you were, you were not worthy of, but you are now. The very presence of the Almighty. You, you, you see, this whole book of Song of Solomon, is, is this okay tonight? I'm, who I'm feeling this. The entire book of the Song of Solomon, there's one central figure in the entire thing, and it, and it is this, the Shulamite woman. Okay. You know what the Hebrew word for Shulamite is? It just simply means this, woman of Jerusalem. Woman of Jerusalem. Jerusalem originally was a part of a united kingdom of Israel. If you remember, Israel eventually split. And it was split into what? Israel and what? Judah. When it split was actually after the death of King Solomon. You want to know why they split? Taxes. Taxes went up. It ain't new, y'all. <laughs> but before the split, Jerusalem was simply Israel. So another way to say woman of Jerusalem is the bride called Israel. So the Shulamite woman or the bride called Israel is represented in the bride of Israel. When God was speaking to the Israelites in Deuteronomy about going to the promised land, this is what God said about that bride, the people. He said in Deuteronomy 7 6, You are a holy people to the Lord your God. Does this sound familiar? Yes. You are a holy, chosen priesthood. He says, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special tre treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. God says, Israel, you're special and you're above all. I want you as my special bride and I want you in the most holy place. I want you to become lovers. And the beauty about that is God says, whether you're Jew or you're Gentile, I have adopted you in as an identity called Israel. So you as the church today are Israel. And Israel is the what? The bride. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Who is? All. 
For as many of you were baptized in Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are Israel by way of faith. We are invited into an intimacy above all others. And if you ever need a scripture to defend that women can be in ministry, read that one. In Christ, there is neither male or female. Just what's your function to do? In Christ, not in your flesh. That is not an excuse for people to identify as either. We are talking about and your, your spirit. He says, I don't see differentiation. I see same. And that should be the desire. God, I want to be yours. I want to be your bride. I want to be the Shulamite woman desiring entrance into the chamber. When the woman described, the woman described this book is us. In this book, the Song of Songs, we see a path that every passionate lover of God is called to take, singing a new song of God. I, I, I want to be with you. Enter into the chamber of all chambers the most holy place. Song of Songs 1-4 in the Passion Translation says it like this. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's what? Cloud-filled chamber. Can we say that? Cloud-filled chamber. One more time. Cloud-filled chamber. We will run away. It's not a singular woman. We is plural. We will run into a what? Cloudfold chamber. The chamber within a chamber, the Holy of Holies, was the most innermost chamber in the tabernacle where the presence of God dwelled. It was so sacred. Now, you've got to listen to this to get this. It was so sacred, only one person a year could enter into this place. One day out of the year, it was where the Ark of the Covenant sat. Okay? you got the courts. You got the holy place, and inside the holy place was this place that was marked off called the most holy place. And this is what would happen in this most holy place once a year, okay? Once a year by one guy, the priest. The high priest would bathe and get clean and then put on clean white linen garments for the priest, okay? They would put on these garments, and they would go in. At the bottom of these garments, at the bottom of the road, there were solid gold bells hanging from the hem. The noise of these bells let people basically know the priest was still alive. And that he was offering atonement for sins. Because if you touch the Ark of the Covenant, you did. You know what would happen if you saw the face of God? You did. So the priest would bathe, put on the linen garments... And go into the temple with bells. He entered in this place with a censer of burning incense. So a censer, if you've ever seen them like in, in movies or things, they would have this thing like full of burning smoke, and they would walk like this. Y'all ever seen this in movies? They walk like this, and what would happen is smoke would come out of the censer, and it would fill the most holy place. It'd get real thick. Like a cloud. <laughs> he would walk back and forth and get it so thick in there, it would produce a smoke, and the reason it would produce a smoke or a 
cloud was it would hide the mercy seat where the ark of God was because anyone who saw God would die. So he, they're entering into the presence. God's going to come, and they had to make sure that the temple was filled with smoke so they didn't see God. Do you realize how significant it was to get in the most holy place? God's like, burn incense or you're going to die. Right? The high priest would then sprinkle the blood of a sacrificed bull or sacrificed goat over the Ark of the Covenant, and it would make amends for the people. And do you know what separated this chamber of chambers, this most holy place, between the holy place and the secret chamber, if you will? You know what separated the two? A veil. What was torn when Jesus Christ was crucified? So the thing that separated the two, he said, "Mm -mm. no more. No more separation. I'm giving everyone access. See, Jesus being our high priest represented us. He went into the most holy place, crying out on our behalf for the atonement of sins, looked at sin in the face, died, sprinkling his blood on the cross, and said, no more separation. I'm bringing you in. He said, not only that, I'm calling you priests and kings. So because he identifies you as a priest, you have access to go into the holy place that was only available for one guy once a year. Now, can I go further? Y'all getting it? Here's what's interesting even more. Remember last week in Revelation 19, 7 through 9, I said this. The scripture says in Revelation 19 that the bride prepares herself by putting on white linen garments. And putting on the garments was a symbol that you were serving the bridegroom. So not only has he made you priests and kings... But he says, you're the priest, you're the bride, and like the priest, you have to bathe or get clean. But Jesus says, I did that for you. I have cleansed you. I have, made you, I have washed you in the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> and now that you are washed and clean, he says, prepare yourself by putting on the garments that the priest had to put on, and your bells are your sounds of praise. And the inner in, in the inner sanctuary, praise, the scripture says, is like incense. And the point of the incense or the praise, it created this cloud in the most holy place, and it's no longer confined to a room. But now, within the praises of his people, we have access to the very place where before, if we got in and we touched the hem of the garment, if you will, we'd die. And Jesus says, no more separation. He says, I want every single one of you to go into the place where no one could survive. But how dare we give up one day a week to come to church? It's not just... Thank you, God, for giving me access. You have access to things that the people wished they could walk into. And we've all got it. We've all got access. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber. God says this, I made you right so that you could rightly enter into the cloud-filled chamber at any time of the day. And his promise in Revelation 22 is one day we get to see him face to face. Gosh. And he says, all I want you to do 
is be my lover. Come into the most holy place. Come into my chambers. Come meet me however you are. You ain't got to get it perfect. You ain't got to get it right. I've cleaned you. I washed you. I gave you the garments. I'm, I'm letting you know what the bells are. I'm giving you the cloud. Just come in. Just come in. Now, here's what's interesting. In Hebrews 10, 19, it says this. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood. This scripture is referencing everything I just said. Now, you can enter in. Here's the key. He calls you brothers and sisters. You know what the Greek word was for sister in this passage? Brother. Because in Christ Jesus, there is no male or female. Now, here's, now, now here's, this is why I bring that up. This is where it gets cool. In Christ, we're one. No male nor female, no Greek nor Jew. We are equal. Brother, in the original Hebrew, referenced something that simply means one thing. Same. Same. Same as in of same parents, of same relatives, of the same tribe, same to each other, same as that we all resemble something. Why can we enter into his chambers? Because we are of his same kind. Because we are brothers of, we're brothers and sisters, we are same. So when we greet each other as brothers and sisters, you know what you're proclaiming? Same. That's why this whole clergy, what's the other word, lay people thing is totally unbiblical. You know why? Because that ain't same. (laughs) Same. Of the same tribe. Of the same father. Now here's where I'm going to go with this. If we're same... There is a principle that God gives his people. Can someone just shout same? Same. Here's the principle in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Man, I've been digging this week. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, some of y'all are shaking your head, but I guarantee you got no idea where I'm going with this. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Why did Jesus cleanse us to make us same? Because the father didn't want his groom to be unequally yoked to a bride. He says, I don't want my son to be yoked to something that is not same. So son, go buy the right for them to be same. And when, and when they pursue me as lovers, the mark of same is that they have godliness and they don't deny power. Cool. He made you of same kind. You ever notice in Genesis it says he created man, but didn't name it Adam and Eve in chapter 1? Because he didn't create male or female. He created a kind. And you know what the kind was? 
same. It wasn't until they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they walked out of the same. So he says, the only way you can walk back into same is in Christ. <laughs> and he says, because you are now equally yoked, I want same in my bedroom. I want same in the most holy place that no one could get into. That is why it says lovers share in his divine nature. Because you're walking into what? Same. So looking at your life of sin is no longer am I doing wrong. Is in this area am I identified as what? Same. And knowing what same gives you access to should cause you to run to him for a kiss. You know what saying gives you access to? Lazarus, get up. You know what saying gives you access to? <laughs> Cancer, get out. Let me go one more. You know what saying gives you access to? That person that that disease took away, get up out of that grave. And I know it's hard to take in that because did he just say we can raise people from the dead? Absolutely. Have we failed in that? Sure. Are we seeing it right now? Not a lot. They are in Africa. You know why? They ain't, they ain't got hardly nothing over there, and all they got is faith. It's being real. There's reports all the time. Is it possible that if we embraced intimacy and understood we're same, that his divine nature would be seen through what we decree and what we speak into? But it's not let me do it. It's let me become an intimate lover. See, this is the kind of stuff that gets people talking about I'm a false teacher. <laughs> we, are, we are sane. And he longs and is jealous for his equally yoked bride to desire him. And we've lost that desire to go to the most holy place. We have lost the desire to be lovers. I want to read verses 1 through 3 again of the Song of Songs. It says, this is Solomon's Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. Let's say it. Kiss me and kiss me again. For your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Now, I want to read another translation. Some people don't like it, but it's a good translation, especially for this book. And it's the Passion Translation. I want to read. Now, remember, what is, it's a what-filled room, cloud-filled room, right? We are sane. I want, to, I want to read this in Song of Solomon 1, 1 through 3 through the Passion Translation. The most amazing song of all by King Solomon, let him smother me with kisses, his spirit-like kiss. This is what God was showing me last week. You know why I couldn't move on from this? Because we need to define the kiss. So kind are your caresses, I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over poured out. Your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides-to-be adore you. God, smother me 
with your spirit kiss because your presence changes the atmosphere. Kiss me and kiss me again. The kiss of God is simply this. It's an invitation to go deeper in relationship. That's the kiss. So when you're saying, God, kiss me, you're saying, I want to go deeper in the relationship. I'm inviting you to kiss me in all these places of my life. It's an invitation for intimacy. The divine spirit kiss of God is God's affections for you. You're realizing that God is jealous, and you say, I, I am responding to that jealousy. So God, kiss me, kiss me again, is a constant invitation for God to meet you in every part of your life, and you just cannot get enough. You know what the kiss is? The kiss is a longing to be satisfied. God wants us to be satisfied, but he wants him to be the one that satisfies us. And you know the great thing about God? Because you're sane, he knows what will satisfy you better than you do. And you know why we fight with that or have spiritual warfare with that? Because a lot of times we're not convinced we're sane. If you would get lost in who you are, your desires would change. I don't know what to pray. Start praying this. God, kiss me. I invite you to be the one that satisfies me. The kiss is a longing to see your worth. God wants you to get so lost in him that you understand how worthy you are. I don't think we understand how worthy we are sometimes. I talked about this a little bit, but it's a common notion that the human brain only uses like 7% Like, we only use, like, 7% of our brain. And what happens with that is we don't think we can be anything outside of what we see ourselves as. So you've got someone that's a creative and someone who's not. And you have this desire to get creative, but you tell yourself, I'm not creative. How dare you limit yourself based off of the 7% you've known? Let me give you an example. There's someone in this house who last weekend woke up and said, I'm going to go to a paint store and buy a canvas. They've never painted before. Ever. Ever. And this is their painting. Can the one who painted this stand up? Now, let me, <laughs> let, me show you, let, let me show you why I'm using that as an example. When you get that little, that, that, that kiss of, hey, go get some brushes, you can say, that's not me, or you can say, I'll go into that chamber. <sighs> and there's people in this room who you've had dreams and people in your life have spoken against them, and I say it's time to start dreaming again. I don't know why I feel that so strong, but that's, yeah, like, there's nothing impossible in the chambers. Don't let someone speak over something that, because they have not seen, same. He says, you are good 
and you're pleasing and you're perfect and you're spotless, just say yes. You're good. Dream again. Dream again. Not like that. <laughs> the kiss is a longing to succeed. God says, you know what I want you to succeed in? In your predestined divine purpose. And if it starts with something as small as pick up some brushes, all he wants you to do is say, heck yeah. I feel like I want to write songs, but I'm not a musician. You know what you're supposed to say? Yes. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't pray in front of people, but I feel like I'm supposed to pray. You know what you're supposed to say? Yes. Not, I haven't gone to school for it. Just yes. <laughs> the kiss is a longing to feel desired by the Almighty. It's God, even though I'm walking in this sin, I'm inviting you in. So I know that you want me. I think that's a word for some of you. God actually does want you, despite your actions. Because trust me, he ain't surprised by him. The kiss is a longing for passion to be satisfied. God, I will suffer through anything for you. The kiss is a longing, a longing to experience no more shame. God says, I died for you. You have no room for shame when you realize I came for you. I, I, Kyle, I, if, I, if I walk into a church, it's going to catch on fire. That's what we hear, right? They don't understand that God says, you are the one I built the church for. Right? And quite frankly, when you walk into the room, it will catch on fire. <laughs> It's not enough just to love God and minister to people. The bride can no longer be separated from this constant invitation. Kiss me and kiss me again. I close with the scripture tonight, Mark 12. It says in verse 29, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, bride. Listen, O Israel. Listen, bride. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now we've heard that a lot, but if you read it through the passages, one word is left out of some, and it's strength. The word strength here simply means this, the quality of being strong by what you're influenced by. Your strength is what influences you. So he says, love the Lord your God with all the things that influence you and what you think might be strong. In that inappropriate relationship, he says, love me as that influence. In the things you watch that are influencing your mindset, he says, love me in that influence. 
It's, it's not picking what's right or wrong. It's letting God be the one that influences. Let that be the thing that influences your mind, influences your thoughts, influences your wants. He says, love me with all of the things that influence you. To love God is a desire to continually invite God into every part of your being and every choice and every influence in every way. To want the kiss, to invite the kiss is just simply, God, I, I want to be with you in everything I am. How do I do that? Meditate on his word. Pray. Receive a word from others. That's the hardest thing for people to do. When someone comes up to you and says, I just feel like the Lord's saying you're great, it's hard for us to receive that sometimes. I just speak to you. Receive it. The dreams and visions that God's given you, don't discount them. If, if there's some weight to it, if there's some significance to it, pray into it. Ask someone to help you interpret it. Because what if the dream he's given you is the part of you that you thought could never accomplish it and never get it? He says, you walk into my holy place and I can do anything I want with you. He says, I can take a murderer of Christians and turn him into the most famous apostle in the scripture. He says, I can take a fisherman who couldn't catch a fish and turn him into someone that caught many. He says, I will take a stuttering no one that his, that his parents gave up and I will let him be the one to lead the people into the promised land. You know what he also says? He says, I'll choose the one who will betray me. And what did Judas betray him with? A kiss. You know what the, the, the significance of the betrayal of the kiss was? The moment Judas kissed Jesus, he was declaring we are what? same because a kiss in these times was a symbol of brotherhood so Judas walked up to Jesus gave him the kiss and it was a hypocrisy because he wasn't saying he didn't want Jesus in that moment you know what he wanted in that moment that bag of money and that's a lot of times what we do in the church we say we want him but we are not lovers we're not walking the same. I was talking to someone in the coffee shop today. It's such a good example. You know the, how the scripture says, don't take the Lord's name in vain? We always attribute that to language. But the scripture says, when we gather together, he is there among us. How many of you believe that God dwells in you because you're a temple of God? So if God dwells in you and you're walking in something that's not sane, in that moment, you just took his name in vain because you took his name into that moment. Let's get out of the language thing for a second. I don't want to take the Lord's name in vain. I want him to be represented in all of me. The desire of lovers, kiss me God, kiss me again. I want to get lost in your chambers. Let's stand.